Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Any Questions? Part 2, Jesus and Politics. Recorded Sunday, July 2nd, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Parker with today's message. Well, hey, my name is Parker. I'm, I'm glad to have you here. Last night, what a blast. I want to do something just in case. Uh, the whole reason we do that event is to honor servicemen and women, first responders. If someone wasn't there last night, we need to show them some love anyways. Cause, so could you give a round of applause to the men and women that serve our community? It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. Thank you to the women and men who lay down your lives for strangers, for strangers, for the prosperity of people who may never thank you. And you do it anyways. That's some kingdom of God stuff right there. And we'll talk more about that today. Jesus and politics, so fun. Any questions? I got some. I, I got some. I got some. First of all, has it always been this way? Has it always been this tense? And I don't know everything, but I would imagine so. I would imagine so, because people are involved. Titus 3 tells us that this is how people do business as usual. Living in malice and envy, being hated, and hating one another. So there it is. That's human business as usual. It's hard to come up with a time where there was even just one nation that didn't have some kind of political tension, besides like New Zealand. I don't know. Like, what are they up to? Just eating crackers and hobbit houses and saying, good eye. I don't, I don't know what they do. They just, you know. Do you feel it, though? Like, do you feel it? Do you feel the anger? Do you feel the exhaustion surrounding politics? Do you feel the tension? Here's the deal. We are always going to be a part of a government or a political system. We could run and hide and start a clan, but then we just have new politics and a new government. You see what I'm saying? So how do we, as a church, differentiate and engage in a way that glorifies God and helps our communities instead of cursing them and tearing them apart? You know, I've been getting more and more into fishing and one of the, I know, right? I'm a I'm master angler here. I, I, you know, for years, I can't, I don't have time for this, but for years, we, I go fishing with Josh Sykes, and when I caught a fish, I would just put my pole over to him, and I'd be like, Dad, take the fish off, and he'd take the fish off. <laughs> okay, what are we talking about? Okay, I'm going fishing. And uh, the part of fishing is just getting your line tangled, right? And you have to take a moment, you have to assess the situation, get the line untangled, and then continue fishing. And I, I think that's what I want this morning to be. I want us to just like take a moment, look at the situation, get untangled, and get back to fishing. Loving God and loving our neighbor. That's the thing. Because we can get pretty tangled up, can't we? I was driving across North America a while back. You like how broad that was? I didn't want to put any region under fire there. I was driving across North America, and I come up this rural area. I come up over this hill, and it looks like a farmer's market or a festival is going on. I get a little bit closer, and it's, it's roughly 15 4x6 painted signs, 20 or so flags, all with stingingly potent political statement slogans on them. And going by, I like realized it's adjacent to this beautiful rural church and steeple. And like in the 10 seconds I'm driving by, I'm trying to like piece together what's going on here. And I wanted to know what the place was. Just because it's got a steeple doesn't mean it's a church. I don't preach, you know. I, I'm like, what is this place? Like, what is going on here? So I asked the person who I was with. Because I saw there was some sign behind the other signs that looked like it had a cross on it, okay? At, at, like, establishing it as a Christian thing. So I say, hey, what was that? Was it what denomination? Like, what was going on there? And the person I was with goes, I couldn't even see the cross through those political signs. 
I didn't even know a cross was there. That's pretty much the sermon, isn't it? That's pretty much it. Can you even see the cross through all the politics? On either side of the aisle, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And if you're here today and you've never been around someone who follows Jesus and have only gotten to see Christianity in the church from a distance or on social media or on the news or in politics, I want to just say I'm sorry for the picture that you've gotten. And I want to paint for you a different picture today. Just give me a shot. Give me a shot. Now, we have to remember, too, that God has used people who love him in politics to help people prosper, to be protected, to bring justice. Think Joseph in Egypt. Think Daniel in Babylon. Think King David in Jerusalem. And more recently, we talked about him last week, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the things that he accomplished with a vision of the kingdom of God. Just to name a few. So how do followers of Jesus interact with politics and the political systems that we will inevitably end up in? It all starts with this. And I have a bold declaration today. And may I preach and believe this to be true all the days of my life, so help me God. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Jesus is Lord. Not a politician is Lord. Not a political party is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And that's not my opinion. This Revelation chapter 17, Jesus is Lord of lords and King of kings. Matthew 28, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he told them to go love all the nations of the world, people different than them. Hmm. John chapter 13, you call me teacher and Lord. This is Jesus talking, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Romans 10, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Ooh, a political, kind of a social line here, no difference. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on his name. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And there was plenty of political tension when Jesus walked the earth, especially with the Romans and the Jews. They weren't very fond of each other. The Romans were lording over, governing over the Jews, and the Jews resisting all that kind of stuff. So we watch Jesus and what he teaches when he's put smack dab in the political tension trap that is found in Matthew 22. So then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They went out, uh, they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Herodians are kind of like Jews, but Roman-leading Jews, politicians, you could think, okay, well, teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity, and you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. You're so great. So tell me then, what's your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Political divide. Every party is listening and ready to pounce. Say, pay taxes, Jews can denounce him for being a traitor and siding with Rome. Say, pay no taxes, Romans throw you in prison or kill you. What does Jesus do in the political tension? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, ooh, God knows your heart, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? 
show me the coin you use for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he asked them, whose image is on this? Whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed, so they left and went away. What if we followed Jesus' lead in this? Could it untangle some of the political tension and anxiety that you are living in? And we could talk about a lot of things here today, but I have three suggestions for you. Here are the three issues I have a suggestion for you then. The identity issue, the enemy issue, and the hope issue. First, the identity issue. What foundation is your life built on? Who are you? What is your identity? How do you, how do you fill in this blank? I am blank. I am a blank. Honestly, just like take a moment and think about that. What's there? Whatever your answer is, it should be top shelf in your life. Top shelf. The determining factor to everything you do and why you do it. A lot of people get their identity around who they are to the people around them. Dad, mom, brother, what they do, nurse, minister, stay-at-home mom. Or things they're into, Husker football, anger, tears, you know. (laughs) (laughs) All good things, but besides the anger and tears. It's not a stretch to say many people get their identities from their politics, right? This or that party, loyal to this or that politician, anti this, pro that. Problem here, though, is that if you get your ultimate identity or sense of self or your value or your worth from something that can be lost, taken away, stolen, broken, or is mortal and could die, prepare for an identity crisis. Let's say I put my whole identity into being a guy with brown hair. What happens when I'm gray by 35? It's coming for me. It's coming for me. I'll embrace it. Who am I then? Less silly, though. What if you put all your identity into your wealth and you lose it all? Who are you then? Your identity into a dating relationship. You get your sense of meaning, purpose, reason to exist, and then the breakup happens. Who are you then? We've all experienced this to some degree. All I'm saying is, when you establish who you are, you're going to want something pretty life-proof, something pretty death-proof. Throw back to Jesus' answer in the trap. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. Jesus is saying the inscription holds the identity. An inscription was sealed on your soul when God created you. Genesis tells us that we're made in the image of God. The inscription of God is on your heart. Your identity is given as a loved, created, walking miracle. Jesus leads us to answer it this way. I am created and loved by God. You belong to him. An identity in which every other detail of your life can flow. Imagine the life that builds for you. What a vision to know whose you are and who you are and your value and your worth and it can't be taken away no matter the situation. This allows us to engage politically in a way that brings glory to God and maintains Jesus as Lord. This is Luke 6. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us, generously and graciously. Even when we're at our worst, our Father is kind, you be kind. 
Jesus tells us to give to God what is God's. God's inscription is on your heart. Give God your heart. First, correct the identity issue. Second, correct the enemy issue. If I believe my ultimate enemy is another human or a group of humans, I've been duped, distracted, and quite possibly disarmed in the battle that matters the most in the kingdom of God. This is Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, not against people, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This means that my sworn enemy is not a politician. My sworn enemy is not a political party. My sworn enemy is not a group with certain ideas. And if the devil can trick me into thinking that, though, it's the perfect distraction flare. Like a magician snapping their fingers in one hand but doing the trick over here. It's almost no work left to get me down a road of distraction away from the mission of Jesus. There's not much left to do on me. I'm out of the real fight. It's like in a movie that you've seen where the two heroes get mad at each other and start fighting each other. And while they're fighting each other, the real enemy takes all the ground back. And you're going, no, 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 wrong enemy. Same, same. It's the same thing. Back to Jesus in the political trap. The Jewish leaders and the Pharisees had wrongly identified the Roman government as the enemy. That wasn't the enemy Jesus was here to defeat. They believed the Messiah, the hero of God's story, would come to overthrow all empires and governments, yet Jesus came to overthrow the enemy of your soul. Being crucified by the decision of both governor and priest. Interesting. And raising from the dead to claim victory over our true enemy once and for all. Death has been defeated. Sin's been washed away. And it started a revolution. The first century church didn't win the world over by publicly denouncing and criticizing politics. Instead, they were constructive citizens who loved their neighbor and served the poor and overturned an empire. The powers of Rome couldn't stop the power of that vision of civic engagement. Instead, it had to yield to it. Politics or parties aren't the ultimate enemy. And instead... The New Testament leads us to pray for those in authority, and it seemingly gives no permission to speak curses of them. 1 Peter 2. Live as free people. Don't use your freedom to do more evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This was the same empire that later crucified Peter upside down for his faith. Romans 13. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. This is written about the same government that later killed Paul for his faith. This is 1 Timothy 2. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for who? All people. Not this political party or that political party for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. 
Jesus' life and power was not poured out to paint a politician or a political party as your sworn enemy. Jesus is Lord. His enemy is our enemy. First, correct the identity issue. Second, correct the enemy issue. Third, we have to correct the hope issue. Watch any campaign ad and you will see the world painted as falling apart and the one and only hope and savior is who? That candidate. They're all we got. What have you placed your hope in? This is closely tied to the identity issue. We can put our whole hope in a politician or a party or a movement, but those things can be defeated or ended, and history shows that they are. What hope is left then? We see this in the beginning of the Bible very often, where God's people want to rather put their hope in a king rather than God, So they put all their hope in their king, the king fails, and then the people fall farther away from God. Oh, a new king. So we put all our hope in that king, uh, that king fails, and then they fall farther away from God over and over again. We see this in Jesus' time as well. The Jewish leader's hope was in ultimate political power and that the Messiah would overthrow the Roman government. So when Jesus, who was fulfilling all the prophecies of becoming the Messiah declaring he was, in fact, the Messiah. And he was spending all his time healing the lame, feeding the poor, raising the dead, speaking value over people, preaching hope and suffering. They'd rather kill him because their hope was in something else. And they missed what God was doing right in front of them. We put our hope in all sorts of things that can't pay out eternity. And I'm just, like, thinking, like, man, if you don't have, like, some vision or hope of, of, like, some heaven eternity, like, I guess your next best thing is hope in people. How does that feel? Hope in a politician or a political party or whatever? Or maybe even worse yet, the only hope you have is in you. And you can't even make yourself feel good enough to like yourself every day when you wake up. You're very aware of how inadequate you are, and you even annoy yourself. (laughs) Right? Me too. No wonder things feel hopeless. For you who follow Jesus and have accidentally placed your ultimate hope in politicians, political parties, the economy, whatever, let's just read this scripture to remember where our hope comes from. This is Philippians 2. In your relationship with one another, that includes your politics, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is Lord. We've got to correct the identity issue, correct the enemy issue, and correct the hope issue. And these issues corrected could change your life. They really could. Lift the burden of the political pressure and anxiety you feel off your shoulders. But this goes much farther than just your politics. I hope you see that too. I think back to the yard signs covering up the cross. Maybe you need to reevaluate your metaphorical yard signs and the situation in your life. Can you even see the cross? Can you see it? 
Jesus is Lord. He gives you your identity. He gives you victory over your true enemy. He gives you hope that far outweighs them all. So what do we do now? Uh, With Jesus as Lord, I got three things for you as I conclude. The first, use your brain. My mom used to give me this powerful theological phrase when we were in uh, times of need. She would say, God gave you a brain, use it. And I was like, that's good advice. It's good. Sound, sound. It's really good. By no means today, listen to me, by no means today am I suggesting that you do not participate in civic duty and responsibility of a citizen or do not participate in the political process that so many men and women have fought to afford you. I'm just saying as a follower of Jesus, get your priorities straight. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Some people say hold a Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. That's good. I'd rather say go read your Bible instead of using it as a weapon or covering up who you really are. Read the scriptures. Get a vision of a life in a way that glorifies God and serves the kingdom of God. Jesus is Lord. And then go read your newspaper and think critically about what actions you believe should be taken what leadership God is calling you in that space, what conversations you think are important to have to glorify God. Jesus is Lord. God gave you a brain. Use it. Two, love your neighbor. Jesus put two things high, high on the list of importance. This is Matthew 12. Every time I say Matthew 12, I want to say, oh, no, this is Mark 12. That actually helped me because every time I say Mark 12, I want to say Mark Twain. So Mark Twain, (laughs) love the Lord your God. (laughs) Mark 12. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Whoa. The late Tim Keller had something to say about this. Don't miss this. Jesus forbids us to withhold help from our neighbor. And this will inevitably require that we participate in political processes. If we experience exclusion or even persecution for doing so, we are assured that God is with us and that some will still see our good deeds and glorify God. Oh, listen to this. If you are only, if we are only offensive or only attractive to the world and not both, we can be sure we're failing to live as we ought. That's good. The gospel gives us the resource to love people who both reject our beliefs and us personally. Powerful. Look, good for you for being nice to people who like you and are like you. But loving your neighbor also means, if not especially, loving people who are completely different than you. Different politics, different ideas, different different, uh, surroundings, backgrounds, things like that. Different than you. Read the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. Let it work on your soul. Someone from the opposite side of the political social line taking care of the needs of someone who was robbed, beaten, and left for dead. And that's who Jesus said was the neighbor in the story. He says, love your neighbor. That was the person who loved their neighbor who put politics and social lines aside and loved. Jesus is Lord, love your neighbor. And finally, my conclusion to the conclusion as we move towards the conclusion. (laughs) I love preaching. Okay, Uh, number three, be grateful. Be grateful. Okay, check this out. How much of your life are you going to spend in rage and anger yelling at people who don't care what you think? They don't care what you think. They don't. They're not listening. Do you feel better? Like, is there any fruit coming from it? Do you like it? Are you living the life you want to live? Maybe try being grateful 
How do we be grateful? Here's why this image of clearing out and untangling ourselves to see the cross clearly is of such value to every single person who's here today. Because before Jesus, the cross was a symbol of wretched torture, disgust, embarrassment, and hatred. The cross stood for the rejected and the condemned. But after Jesus, this was now a symbol that united the church. Now symbolizing freedom from sin and death, a people victorious over an enemy. Symbolizing a God who would go to great lengths to bring us back to his heart. And yes, it's for you. It's for you. God so loved the world. You're included. You're included in the, in the world. It's for you too. It's for you too. And maybe all, you know, like, here's the deal. Jesus is for you. He's not against you. Maybe all you have heard or thought your whole life is God hates you and God wants nothing to do with someone you, like you. That is not the gospel. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. God so loved the world, you're included, that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So help us, God. That includes you. This is Romans 10. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. It doesn't matter your political line. It doesn't matter. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on his name. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And maybe it's your day to finally say that. Maybe it's your day to finally believe that. The gift of eternity is at hand. What are you going to do? I can't believe for you. They can't believe for you. Be grateful. This weekend, we celebrate the women and men who sacrificed it all to take care of a stranger who rush in and love somebody no matter their politics, risk it all, that's gospel. That's gospel. Jesus is Lord. Live like it. Happy Fourth of July. Don't blow your fingers off. <laughs> and all the first responders said, amen. Amen. <laughs> As we move towards communion, I'm just going to pray real quick. As we move towards communion, just be grateful. God, thank you for being a Lord. Thank you for being our Lord that would risk it all, put your life on the cross, and say, I want all of the sin. My sin, their sin. My kids' sin. My parents' sin. You say, I want that, and I want to take that for them so they don't have to carry that weight anymore. That's what communion is about, remembering this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Wow, 30 years at Third City Christian Church. Uh, as an elder, but more importantly, as a friend, I want to thank you for all the years of teaching and leading and ministry and loving people. And if we've seen the, the hand of God move in this place, and I think it's because of your faithful stewardship and your guidance. We value all the things that you do, but most importantly, we value your friendship. Thank you, brother. God bless. Hey, Scott and Jackie, on behalf of Calvary Christian Church in the Bellevue and Papillion area, we just want to extend a very heartfelt and sincere congratulations for 30 years of ministry. When I met you, the terms loving leader came to mind, and it's been in my mind ever since. Uh, I could see leadership in you that was unique and strong, and I saw love that was genuine and sincere. So I just wanna say truly congratulations. Thank you for being faithful, for setting an example for so many, and for being the loving leaders that you are. 
Hey Jonesy, congratulations on 30 years with the Third City Christian Church family. You and I were freshmen at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln in 1977, but neither of us were headed in a very good direction. I followed you up to Nebraska Christian College. Uh, we preached our uh, first sermons uh, there together in Dr. Brown's homiletics class on April 9th, 1980, and we committed our lives to the service of God. Third City, you are right to celebrate Scott and Jackie, and we salute you too for following the Holy Spirit's leading to call them and to keep them. God bless. Jonesy, you're a great friend, and I love you, buddy. I think what happened at Grand Island is one of the greatest Christian church stories in Nebraska as far as growth. Keep up the good work. Best friend forever. Love you. See ya. Hey, Scotty. Uh, way to go. 30 years. That is truly amazing. Both uh, went to the University of Nebraska for a little bit. Uh, then we ended up at Nebraska Christian College together. We roomed together for a year. We married girls from Wymore. You moved to Phoenix. I moved to Phoenix. You moved back to Nebraska. Uh, I did too. You were terrible at basketball. I was actually pretty good. You're a hero of mine. And thank you for uh, leading the way. Enjoy the day. Uh, way to go. Good morning, Scott, Jackie, and Third City, Third City Christian Church. Scott, I'd really like to be there today to shake your hand and personally thank you and congratulate you for being someone who has upheld their call to ministry. And I don't remember the day I knocked on your car window and urged you not to quit. That had to be a God moment. I said at the time, and you may remember me saying this, God can strike a mighty straight blow through a very crooked stick. I'm not suggesting how crooked you are, but I am suggesting that it is God who has done his work through you because you've been willing to let him do it. You and I both know that if we succeed in ministry, it's not because we're so good, it's because he is so good, but it's his church. It, he's the one who builds it. Jackie, I don't know if you were in chapel today, I said, if you girls don't want to marry a preacher, you keep your cotton picking hands off my boys. But you wouldn't keep your hands off, Scott, because I believe God must have laid on your heart, located leadership ministry as well. And I know that your hands and your life has helped shape this man into the person that he is today. Thank you very much. And God bless you both as your marriage is an example to those at Third City. And so God bless you. Keep up the good work. To him be glory. Scott, eat a piece of cake for me and say, this one's for Brown. Scott and Jackie, would you guys uh, make your way up here, please? I snuck out here. Uh, when the video was going, I saw all kinds of people wiping tears. Uh, and it's because of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, call me, call me a pansy or something. It's because of uh, your impact and your faithfulness. Uh, and you're willing to be used by God 
in this place. And so I'm going to quit talking and let Kent talk and uh, to offer prayer for you. And then we want you to know, uh, if you didn't see it, there's, there's like a big party out in the plaza. And uh, we just want to, we want to celebrate with Scott and Jackie uh, in between services today. And uh, we love you guys and we are thankful for you. Well, 30 years ago, we had a conversation poolside in Kearney at the Holiday Inn, and uh, I talked to this young, aspiring, upcoming minister and said, you know, I think Grand Island's a pretty good place, and if we just get the right person there, we can do some pretty spectacular things. Well, 30 years later, we were right. <laughs> it, uh, it has been a pleasure and a joy and a blessing to share in ministry with both of you over the last 30 years. And uh, we would like to present this to you on behalf of the congregation for your service and dedication. And uh, just say, man, we love you guys. And, and you have blessed us. So I'd like to pray with you now. And uh, then we're going to go celebrate. God, thank you for blessing Third City Christian Church with Jackie and Scott. Uh, your hand has been upon them the last 30 years, Father. And because of their faithfulness, because of their service, because of their love for you, Christ has been lifted up kingdom has been glorified and we have been blessed God we pray this morning that uh, your spirit will allow us to celebrate this occasion and that as we depart from here today your blessings will continue to flow upon Scott and Jackie and strengthen them and direct them as their ministry and work here at Third City continues uh, to God be the glory we pray in Jesus name amen God bless you. God bless you, man. It's going to ride. Well, that, that really is the best kept secret I've ever had to endure. Thank you so much. Uh, we are just grateful to be here. Uh, every song we sang today uh, really says it. It's that we have a faithful God, and he never fails us. And uh, I, I accepted a promise from him when I was 20 years old, as my friend Jeff kind of alluded to. And uh, what he said to me is, uh, you take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And what Jackie and I have found with you is that you are a part of that promise to us. And we just want to thank you all for being so, such a beautiful legacy for this community and, and this region. You, you are the reason that we're here. Uh, God put us here, but you keep us here. Thank you so much. And, and I, I want to say one more thing. Uh, a church is, is, is only as good as all of us. And I, we just have a small part to play in what God is doing in this place. And you're, you're, you're what makes this place special. So thank you very much. We love you all. I don't know if you, Scott hugged me in public, and uh, 
That's monumental. And so, <laughs> hey, we're going to wrap up right now. Uh, they're going to they're gonna sing a song as we exit. But we just want to invite you to make your way to the plaza as we celebrate uh, together today. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.